Welcome to Cross the World with Kelly Miller, where we take you behind the curtain to see what it's like for some of the most impoverished children and families on the face of the planet, and how we can help transform their lives from deepest need to thriving joy. I'm your host, Kelly Miller, the president and CEO of Cross International. And I'm Chris McIntyre, co-host of Cross the World. This is episode two, and we're recording this in the middle of summer. You know, summer is a very impactful time for those of us in the nonprofit world. We thought we'd devote this uh, entire episode to the impact of the summer months on those who are less fortunate. I mean, you know, if you're a poor kid in the developing countries, uh, summertime can be very challenging. Isn't that right, Kelly? You know, it really is for so many, I mean, literally millions of children around the world and you know, I know in our family and probably like yours here in, in what's a relatively comfortable United States of America. Right. No complaints with that. And we're blessed <laughs> with that, right? I mean, I'm not, yeah. not, not criticizing that. But I know in my family, we've got, we raised three children. And, you know, summertime, um, uh, even today, I mean, it still has, you know, we still think of fun and some time off and, and just some, some good downtime. All of our kids are growing out of the house. But you still have that, that mental mentality, right? Right. I mean, yeah. you, you don't even question it. You know, summertime is is something where you you know you you actually have time off, and it's a it's it's also a time you know sort of to get away. We think we think of vacations, right? It's time to know? relax and, and enjoy, and you know that's that's just not the case for you know the, literally the majority of the people on the face of the planet, right? But within that, children, and it, it's really funny. I I myself, and I'm guilty of this, you know, because I've you know, grown up comfortable, uh, you know, in the, in the United States, I didn't even realize this until I started working in nonprofits and started traveling, you know, to, uh, the developing world and actually saw and actually witnessed how, uh, people actually lived. And I, and I saw it with my own eyes. I didn't even know about it. Yeah, no, it's very, very true. And, and, and there are a lot of reasons behind that and for that, that, you know, we, we wouldn't think about on a day-to-day basis. You and I do, because it's, it's smack dab in the middle of our work, right? Mm-hmm. But for the average person, you know, it's not, it's not on their, their thought process, not on the horizon to be thinking about, right? And so part of our job is to, to hopefully bring it uh, to the, the for, more of the forefront of, of thought for folks and, you know, people that engage with Cross International, that we together really have an incredible impact on kids, and families and communities, but primarily, you know, well, how are we affecting the lives of those children? And to your point, and this whole conversation is that during the what we consider the summertime, those are very very challenging months for so many kids, and and the reasons behind that, right, is that um, we hope, and part of our work is at Cross International is the children that we work with are in school, right. 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 Not all cases, but that's our, our real hope, right? And so many children, that, particularly in rural areas, impoverished, impoverished rural areas where we work, uh, that's not the case. You know? So we work towards how do we help uh, uh, you know, get that child in school, you know, whatever, whether it's a formal school system or an informal school system, what have you. And part of that is uh, uh, there's twofold. There's the educational side of it, obviously. That's, that's a huge uh, need and desire and, and, and impact in their lives, right? But along with that, usually in school systems, uh, there's a meal, right, a lunch that comes along with that, just like our kids have lunch when they go to school uh, during, during the day. What's different 
Yeah. No, it is for, you know, for, for most of these children that we work with here across international and those that, 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 that partner with us is that for many, if not the majority of those kids, it's their only nutritious meal of the day. And you think about that, you know, it's their only nutritious meal for the day. So the kids love, they love coming to school generally because they love learning. I mean, that's one, you know, you've been out, right? I mean, for most kids in developing countries, they seize the opportunity for school, you know, and schools are fun for them. It's not, it's not a, 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 oh boy, look what I have to do. For many kids, it's like, look what I get to do. And, and oftentimes it's a break from the challenge of, of, of uh, the grind of poverty, right? They get to go to school and have a reprieve from that poverty, right? And they're in an environment that's encouraging and they're learning and such. But again, a big part of that is that meal. And I, I've been to so many of the schools that, that we work with across. And, you know, you have also where you get to participate in that, that lunch distribution, right? And you get to serve these kids and they're so eager and they're hungry, <clears throat> Right. And the smile on their face is, is a smile not just of thanks for that meal, but a smile of gratitude that I have a meal. I've got food that's going to be in my belly. It's going to help sustain me for the rest of the day. Most of those kids are not going to go home and have dinner four or five hours down the road, right? And, and, and their parents are grateful for it too. Oh, a thousand percent. Exactly. Yeah, no, it's, it's a big deal for the entire family. It really is. And, and the parents, you know, again, generally speaking, right, uh, to your point, Chris, I mean, parents are so thankful for these school systems and, you know, the ability to help care for their family. It's not that these, these are not lazy parents. These are not parents that are sitting mm-hmm. on the sidelines. No, hey, if they could find work, uh, they would, and, and oftentimes they are working like crazy. The the point is, too, I don't know what the uh, latest global poverty index figures are for the number of people living in extreme poverty, but, you know, it's for uh, it's for people living on, I, I think it's less than $2 a day. I mean, imagine that, $2 a day. For I mean, an entire family. For, yeah, exactly. Yeah, which is often, you know, five, six people we're talking exactly. about. Exactly. Right. So, you know, so, right. so right. You're, you're talking about $2 a day. And this is an incredible figure. So, of course, those parents are going to be incredibly grateful. Yeah, well, you think about it as a, as a parent, right? We, right. We, we, our goal is to provide for our children, right? I mean, as, as a father, the primary goals of mine is to help provide for my children. It was as they grew up, right? And, um, again, for the, the, the families, many families in development, and just to, to your point for the U.N. figures, last that I looked is about, about 800 million people globally, right, that are at risk from food and, and are living under a dollar fifty a day, right, globally. Now, there's a lot of talk in our work and our community, uh, and, and, and rightfully so, how much poverty has been reduced over the last 15 to 20 to 25 years. Tremendous strides, tremendous strides forward, which is really good. But I, I would caution our community from patting ourselves in the back too much, right, because you still have 800 million people. Right. At extreme risk, extreme risk, day in and day out today, right? So there's still a lot of room to go. And within that, 800 million or hundreds of millions of children, right, that are, that are part of that population. And, and to your point, when, a, when a, a dad and a mom uh, uh, are out working as hard as they can, and that on average is bringing in that $1.50 to $2 a day, it just doesn't go very far. 
And so their ability to, 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 to provide, even though they're working like crazy to provide for the family, the income isn't there. So to your point, the schools where their kids can go to, um, where they receive the meals is so important for the livelihood of their family, for the lives of their children. And, and, and again, the, the, the parents are, are just so, so thankful for that. And I know we're talking a lot about this, but I want, we want to tee it up for our listeners to understand the context of what we're talking about, what we're going to be talking about here in the next couple of minutes. We're not talking about lazy families that don't want to get along. These are people that have resiliency and energy and desire to move forward in life, right? But they, there is assistance that's needed. So how does that, what does that look like in, um, in the summer season for kids? And you're, you know, we're in the middle of summer, we're talking about this. And, you know, if we start to connect the dots, you know, you see where uh, schools, you know, again, are that, that primary delivery system, if you want to look at it that way, for delivering a very, very nutritious meal for that child. And when school is out during the summer, mm-hmm. you know, where our kids are out playing, it's a threat. That's fear for so many children around the world because, and parents because that meal is no longer being provided, generally speaking, right? And, and that's, a, that's a bad thing, right? You know, it's a challenging thing, and it puts so much pressure on the families to how do you make that up, right? And so many children slide into a, a state of malnutrition during those summer months. Very real. Very, very real. Right. And you compound that year over year, right? So you have stunting, physical stunting and growth. You have uh, a slowed uh, 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 mental development over those years, right? So a lot of compounding issues that that, that grow over time because of the lack of access to nutritious food over those summer months for the kids. Yeah. Yeah. You know, there's another factor that contributes to food insecurity, and that's weather. You know, that's a tremendous influencer. Isn't that right, Kelly? Yeah, that's a great point, Chris. And it, it's very real, depending on where you are around the globe. But uh, in our work in, in underdeveloped countries, uh, oftentimes the summer season, either fringe coming in, fringe going out, or in the middle of the summer season, can be the middle of the rainy season. Exactly. Stormy season, right? Exactly, and 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 that in itself compounds the the problem for a whole variety, of, uh, a few ways in particular. One is that um, uh, you know those storms and rains, as good as they can be for crops to grow, can also be very destructive. Mm-hmm. So that uh, oftentimes takes away the the food that could be produced and consumed during that time. Exactly. Yeah. And, and you know, here in the United States, when, when we have problems like, you know, the fires that, that happen on the West Coast and then, you know, the floods that happen on the East Coast, we have the infrastructure to be able to, to deal with that. Right. Not so in, Not so. in, in much no. of the developing yeah. countries. Yeah, I'll give you an example. If you, if you look at... Um, let's just say the continent of Africa. And occasionally we'll read in a newspaper, see in the news, you know, massive floods hit you know, Mozambique or Malawi, right. whatever it might be. And, uh, and that's about all you'll see on the news. Uh, but what that really is, is affecting millions of lives, right? And you, you would think, well, wouldn't rain be welcome, you know, in, in, in the plains of Africa, right? And, and on one hand, yes, of course, but what happens there 
is that you know most of the year it's you have the sun baking down on that old earth and it and it bakes it hard you know like a very hard clay it doesn't perk well you know water permeating through it so and i'm talking massive swaths of the continent of africa right so when a, a large rain occurs or a cyclone blows in right massive mm-hmm. amounts of water that 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 hit that continent and that what was called the highlands, so the more the central area, right, will run off down to the lowlands, that hard-baked clay area, and it's you know it spans countries. We're not talking you know a few square miles. It spans countries in that part of Africa. Massive flooding occurs because the the earth cannot absorb that volume of water that quick, and a lot of that is infrastructure, you know, and and uh, the development aspects that we have in first world countries that are just commonplace we take for granted just isn't the case in so many so many underdeveloped countries so uh you have these these large contrasts you know from a from a weather pattern perspective that affect uh these communities too and it is unfortunately i mean unfortunately it happens at any time but compounding that in the summertime and 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 when food uh oftentimes is at highest risk to not be available to, to impoverished families well, you know that that's funny you 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 mention um you mentioned like Mozambique or, or Malawi and that that part of the that part of the continent. They had a, a cyclone. What it was like two years ago. There was a yep. cyclone Ada, wasn't yep, it? Yep. Something like that. And, and I, I remember that there was a there was a tremendous groundswell of uh, of support and uh, lots of aid that went to that part of Africa to try and you know help. Uh, uh, the families in in that part of Africa, and you would think, but you know, they're still still to this day recovering. They are they from are. From, yeah. from that cyclone. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it takes it 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 is astounding how uh, and and people actually don't realize that that's the one thing that people don't realize how long it takes for these developing countries to recover. From these these tremendous uh, 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 destructive events that that nature brings. Yeah, can I tell you a story? Sure. Yeah, I'm right about what you're what you're talking about in Malawi, and and, and right after that cyclone hit, uh, Zach Olis and I, our programs director, and I were were there um, and visiting communities that that we work in, along along with those that that support uh, uh, across international. Together, you know, we're working with. Our what we call our local partners, the organizations in country that we that we partner with to do this work, right? The community development work and these kind of things. And, and it was a great example that, that kind of pulls together a lot of the work that Cross does, and a lot not just Cross, but other organizations like ours around the globe. And, and it's smack dab in the middle of children, right? <laughs> yeah. And summertime, and and food, and and all of these these. Uh, uh, topics that, that we're that we're chatting about, but um, one of our partners in Malawi, uh, where that cyclone hit, is called the Mbuya Development Center. Tremendous uh, uh, local partner of ours has been for, for quite a number of years, and and uh, you know, as you know, our our focus as organizations is looking at the child and say, how do we help that child thrive? You know, our largest program, Thriving Kids Initiative, and, and says, how do we help that child thrive? We know, just like. For you and for me and, and all of us here, if we, if we can affect three things in that child's life, 
we can provide a platform for opportunity. One is we can, if we can help lift their family. And that's, when you and I say the word family, we might have a certain image of that. We mm-hmm. usually think of the nuclear family, right? But that's not necessarily the case. It could be that. It could be an orphanage. It could be, it could be an extended family member that child's living with. It just depends on the context that it is. But if we can help that family unit be better off in life, that's the first step forward. And then the community that they live in, whether it's a village, whether it's an, an orphanage, whatever it might be. If we can help lift that community economically, socially, these type of things, spiritually especially. And that leads into that third point. If we can help either either establish or, or, or help deepen the roots of a faith life, family, community, faith life, right? for that child, then that's what provides an opportunity for that child to be able to thrive and have opportunity in life beyond what they might even think about, envision today. So you're affecting the whole of the family and the community to help lift that child. What we don't do necessarily is just give, give, give stuff. That's not what we do mm-hmm. uh, for the most part. Uh, it's really help you know, the economic, the spiritual, the, 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 the whole of the family and the community to help lift that child. So through Amboia Development Center, uh, we do work with, with children and families. And our primary entree into the, the communities, and let me just describe – uh, uh, Malawi is, is a, uh, a long north-south country and kind of the southern-eastern portion of, of Africa. Um, uh, and uh, if, you, if you were to look at Malawi, about two-thirds of the way down, there's a city called Blantyre, which is one of the largest cities in Malawi. And you fly to Blantyre, and then you hop in a, you hop in a, a six-pack <laughs> pickup truck, and, and you drive way out west, out in the, the dust in the village area, uh, quite a ways out. You come out to this village area that, that the hub village is called Tanganyika Village. And that region has got about six different villages that we serve. We have been uh, with Ambilia Development Center for, for quite some years. And this is an incredibly impoverished area uh, of the world. Uh, some, of the, some of the highest indicators of poverty, lowest income, right? Uh, pull all those things together, and, and this is a snapshot of the communities that we work with. And we're helping lift the communities. And it starts with the child. Right? It starts with these kids that uh, most of them are uh, single family or single parent or no parent uh, children uh, living with extended family or, or neighbors. Um, HIV AIDS is still a very, very prevalent uh, situation there or impact there. So uh, uh, the incident rate, uh, particularly uh, with adults, is, is still very, very high there. And so you have a lot of children that are, that are you know, single parent or, or sometimes no parent households. And these kids go to school, the, the, the local school that they go to, but there, there's not a meal provided right. to the children, right? So step in step, Cross International and Mbuya Development Center. And on a daily basis, we work with over, right now, over 300 children per day, helping provide that nutritious meal, Right. And, and I've been there. I've helped cook those meals, right, and, and, and <laughs> hanging out with these kids. Uh, you're out in the, this, the middle of this dusty village, and, and uh, yet these kids, are there's so much joy. And, and they spend the afternoon at, at uh, Ambuya Center, not just eating food, but singing, playing games. They've got informal classrooms. The teachers there actually have a better education than what they're getting at the formal school. Uh, that they generally have walked two or three kilometers to get there, right? And um, 
these kids have a wonderful time. They're learning about Jesus. They're learning about their 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 the reality. There is a God who created them, who loves them and cares for them, and that they have an identity through that creation, uh, being a creator, a creation of God. And and they're learning that right. It's not force fed down their 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 throat. Uh, they are loving what they're learning about God because they're learning about their self value, right. And part of that is is the entree to their hearts and their minds is the ability to provide them food, right? To provide them a, a platform where they're 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 able to sit and listen, or to go out and run around and play, and or sing songs with with a worship leader. So that's the first step with these kids, and that provides entree to the family. So as we work with the, these children, we there's a whole list checklist of things that we look for in terms of the profile of the child. There's poverty indicators, household, social, these kind of things that we look at to say, okay, that child can participate at Ambuya because we can't take them all. Wish we could, but we can't. And then within that, we, we look at what's the poverty level, what's the situation, what's the risk level for the, the family unit and the householder. And... I can remember one young fella that uh, that we met, uh, eleven or twelve years old, and just this wonderful, bright, smiley, bright kid, and also a smart kid. Um, we went to meet his mom, and uh, and just to sit and talk with her and understand her story because her mom had become part of the larger uh, Cross and Ambuya Development Center program of reaching into the family level and help provide opportunity for the mom. Right, and mom was hearing about the gospel, hearing about the love of Christ, and also hearing about how can we help you, mom, help provide for your home. And her name was was Patricia, and 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 Patricia and I sat at the at the base of uh, the the her home, and let me describe her home: uh, mud bricks, right? So you know, mashed earth put together and created these bricks, and this home was built, and it's maybe maybe fifteen feet square with a thatched roof. Right, so red brick on top of this foundation that was all mud, also on this thatched roof, and we sat at the on the on the edge. There was kind of a skirt of the foundation around the home that stuck out about a foot, and we sat there and talked in the shade. It was about like four thousand degrees, but you know it was, it was well over hundred degrees. And through an interpreter, I you know, was asking her story and what she was about and what her family life was like. And uh, her uh, first husband had died, and and they had had a child together. And um, uh, she had remarried, and, and her husband was uh, a day laborer out in the fields and not making much money at all. And uh, she had three kids, and two of them, two of the younger ones, were in the Ambuya uh, uh, program, in the cross program there. And, and, uh, and I asked her, well, how old are you? And she, she said, through, again, through an interpreter, she was 31 years old, okay? Uh, and then we start talking more about her children, and, and so how old, how old are your children now? Well, my oldest uh, boy is 20, and then uh, we kept talking, and, and so it, 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 while I'm talking with her, I'm having this mental pause, and I'm going, no, wait a minute. Uh, 31 years old today, and she has a 20-year-old child. Uh, let me do some math on that, right? <laughs> yeah. 11 years old. 11 years, and I thought, no, no, that can't be right. So we kept talking, and I thought, I'm going to ask again yes, from so, a little different perspective. And, just, and you asked her again. Yeah, I did. Right? ask again and got the same figures. I thought, okay, i got to do this a third time. So a couple of minutes later, I asked her again from a different angle, different uh, uh, point of conversation, and she confirmed she's 31 and her first child's 20. So my point in this is that 
the challenge that these that people living in these communities go through. Here, here's a young girl, 11 years old, that was married at a very young age. And her husband at the time was young also. He's probably just a few years older. And they started having babies. At, she was 11 years old. And there's reasons behind we, we I don't want us to judge that. That's not the point of this. There, there right. are truly economic reasons behind that. There are survival reasons behind that. And uh, that's, a, that's for another conversation. But um, uh, it, it was shocking for us you know, to, to, to hear that. But here we are today where Patricia, uh, her 20-year-old's out of the house. The two younger ones are 11 and I think it was 13. Again, part of the Cross and Embuya program there. And Patricia is now, she's running a small business, right? And it's all through small animals, pigs. So we've, we, we've capitalized Patricia with two small pigs that she's raising, and they're producing offspring, little piglets, right, that she's both selling in the market and producing food for her for her home, right? And it's a small business for sure, but she's been at it a couple of years now, and it's providing it's providing more income for the family. So they're well above that $1.50, that $2 a day for their household. So her children, let's get back to the root of that. Her children have food year-round. And we're working with them to be able to provide food during the summer months also and such. But the, the economic base for that family is now more stable. So for that young boy, part of our Thriving Kids initiative. You know, he's assured not just food during the day, but now moving forward as he's, as he's growing in life. And that opportunity for him as he grows into a young adult and, and, and beyond that, you know, a platform of training and understanding that he does have opportunity in life. Right? And all of that is centered around you know, that school feeding program. Let me give you another example. Let's shift to Haiti. Okay? We, 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 we've, we've left Africa and we're now... We're now in the Caribbean, and we're in the country of Haiti. And one of our other partners in Haiti is called Divine Shelter Schools, or we you're calling about DSS. And it's, it's a community of, of uh, right now we're working with 13 schools dotted around the country of Haiti that are serving, again, some of the most impoverished families in a very impoverished country of Haiti. And, and the children that, that need that, that meal a day. And... Again, these are families that can't afford to provide for, for their kids. But uh, DSS, we've worked with DSS for a number of years, and up until this last year, we've always had the schools have been closed during the summer. And again, as we've talked about before, the school is the delivery system, not only for education, but for that nutritious meal. And we're just starting again to say, look, uh, we're just starting to say, listen, we've got to pr- be able to provide for, to these kids and for these kids during the summer months. So our summer feeding program, which is we're just launching this year, and uh, it'll be an annual for us, it's, it's taking all those communities of children that we work with around the globe where schools shut down during the summer and to be able to provide that meal. Again, we're, 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 we're working through the schools. We're actually staffing those schools and the kitchens and the provision of those meals. So those kids now can come. They're not getting the school in there, but they're getting that meal. They're getting that meal. And that's so vitally important for that consistency, for uh, their health, their well-being, their, their mental abilities, their ability to learn when they're in school in the fall and such. So for those that partner with CROSS, I mean, it's a tremendous, incredible opportunity to make a, a very, very tangible impact in these kids' lives that we work around, around the world with. And I was with one of our, 
our uh, supporting partners not too long ago, about a month ago. And, um, uh, you know, he just has such a heart. He and his wife have such a heart to serve children mm-hmm. and communities, and in particular to, for food. And we talk a lot about that. You know, he and I sat down and talked a lot about, you know, the provision of food. What does that mean? Well, it certainly means today, if you're hungry, you got to have food today. you got to have food today. But what about for the future, you know? So it's not a constant handout, but how are we providing for the families so that they've got the economic platform to move forward? And he really, it really resonated with him. And then he said, look, my, he said about himself, my call in his life. He said, God's, God literally spoke to me a couple of years ago. He said, feed my children, feed my sheep, you know, from God's word. And he has taken that to heart. And, and he's been so thankful, and we're so thankful to him about their partnership with Cross. Because he says, look, when we partner with you, Cross International, you're helping me fulfill the God the call that God has put in my heart, right? And, and this, is, this is all about partnership. You know, it's not just our partners out in the field, but for people that, that, that partner with us financially and through prayer support, our hope is that, as we say often, that we're scratching an itch. They've got that, <laughs> that need, that passion, that desire, that, that mission calling to serve some of the most impoverished people, children, families, communities on the yeah. face of the planet. And, and it's through that. So our, our, the summer feeding program right now is one way for that to happen. And for those kids that are so at risk, you know, let's take them out of that risk factor. Let's put them in a place that has safety and security through that provision of nutrition food. And, and we do that together as a community through Cross International and all of our partners. Yeah, I love these stories, Kelly. You know, when yeah, people who know me and know my background as a writer and producer, they ask me, they say, why are you doing what you're doing? Don't you get discouraged when there, there is so much poverty out there? And I try to tell them that God is doing such amazing things. If we just you know, make a difference, one child at a time, one family at a time, that's what makes such a difference. You're spot on with that. You just think about Jesus' ministry, right? And and although he, he came to save us all, we get that, right? The bigger right. picture of that, his ministry was one at a time, wasn't it? Absolutely. You know, you look, I mean, you you look know, at what, that's that's what he wasn't, you know, I, I always, I, I remember what my, uh, what my pastor used to tell me is he said that, you know, he wasn't concerned with what the Romans were doing. He always was concerned with what you were doing. And that's what he was, he would always say that in the pulpit, you know, it was, it was, it was how your heart is changed individually. Right. And as a matter of fact, he changed some Romans too, individually, because he changed their hearts. Yeah. And that well, was what's it, so important. It, it is part of that, you know, as, as Paul alludes to too, you know, being, the pouring out of them, being that drink offering, right? And, 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 and part of our lives is just, a, it's a conscious decision, right, to, um, to follow Jesus in, in ways that affect and touch and reach deeply into the lives of others. Yeah, exactly. That's part of that, part of being that drink offering, right? You, you know, Chris, as we, as we take this time to, to talk about the realities, you know, for so many, literally millions of children and, and of course, uh, uh, parents and families around the globe, about their situation during these summer months. I mean, it's just so real. I wish every one of our listeners could could hop on a plane and, and come with us and, and, you know, just visit and see and let. It would make such a big wouldn't difference, it, yeah. wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah, it really would. But you know what? Um, that's our job. And I, and I hope uh, for you as a, as a listener that, that you, um, that you're interested, 
right? That your, your interest has peaked in terms of how can you participate in this work with us? And, uh, and just know that, that you can and, and that when you do, you're, you're having a tremendous impact. You just think of that story of Patricia and her young son, or that 11, 11-year-old boy and the 13-year-old uh, daughter that, uh, that today are needing that meal. And and uh, other children like them that uh, that are just so grateful and thankful uh, for the ability to <laughs> to have a meal and to have opportunity in life and to know that God loves them and that they've they've got they've got identity in Jesus. And for those that are listening, I, we hope that you, this has been uh, uh, good and informative and and entertaining and and uh, all those things. But at the end of the day, uh, just aware. You know, we're not here to make you feel guilty. It's just a matter of uh, during during these summer months, knowing that this is a risky time for so many children, and that you can make a difference. You absolutely can make a difference if you want to. And so, join us. Join us in that journey. Go to our website at crossinternational.org and and take a peek at, at what we do and, and how we uh, affect the lives of those kids, uh, particularly in the summer months. Thank you, and God bless you. And we'll be back with not too far down the road with another story. If you'd like to learn more about Cross International and make a difference in the lives of vulnerable children and their family members, visit our website at crossinternational.org. See you next time at Cross the World with Kelly Miller.